Every life has its seasons with some magic we'll get through. Hippie witch has her reasons and she's sharing them with you. Hippie witch season five. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 505 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. How appropriate is that? We are debuting our oh-so-fancy season 5 theme song on episode 505. Look alive, folks! It's the number 5. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the groovy creatrix behind Kick-Ass Switch, Putting the K in Magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com, where you will also find the show notes for this episode with links to today's special guests, Jennifer David Hesse and Jess Dylan, who may or may not be the same woman. You'll have to stick around to find out. I'm recording this late on a Saturday night, although I'm not sure when I'm going to post it. But this morning, Saturday morning, I led a mastermind. I lead a mastermind called the Circle of Trust over on Patreon. And we just had the best conversation. It was so Good. We were talking about being kind to ourselves as creative people and allowing the projects that we're working on to take as long as they take without making ourselves feel like shit about them taking longer than we think they should take. And then also just in general, stepping off the hamster wheel of doing all the things all the time and at such an unhealthy unhuman pace and then the relief that occurs when you just wake up one day like huh I don't think I have to keep grinding like this and then lo and behold you find out you don't have to keep grinding like that and you get into a space of ease and flow and it's weird because when we're on the proverbial hamster wheel or hustle or grind or whatever you want to call it, when we're pushing ourselves beyond a healthy pace, we tend to get validated for that from other people. Like they will say with stars in their eyes, like, wow, I don't know how you do it all. Or in my case, back in the day, people used to say to me, one guy I really admired in particular, they would say, you're a machine. Oh my God, you're a machine. And I could tell by their tone of voice that it was not only meant as a compliment, but also that some desire was being expressed, mixed in with like a heavy dose of not good enoughness. Like they hoped that maybe I had the secret to helping them overcome their perceived weaknesses so that they too could be a machine. And now, when I look back on the days when I really strove to be that, when I was driven, as in driving myself into the ground, so that people would say, I don't know how she does it all. (laughs) All I was doing was modeling an unhealthy standard for other people, while at the same time, 
being a neglectful, even abusive self-caretaker. I was bullying myself out of rest and play and deep friendships because I was trying to prove something. And I hope you all don't mind if I get a little shadow worky here for a minute, but I do love this shit. And I wasn't consciously aware of trying to prove anything, but my behavior said otherwise. And when I really sat with that and dug down into the root of it, I realized that what I was trying to prove was that as a quirky, creative, misunderstood, free spirit of a person, I could make something happen in the so-called real world. And here's the kicker. Thus, be worthy of respect. Because somewhere along the way, I got the message that quirky, creative, misunderstood, free spirits do not get respect in the world as I understood it. They are a joke. They are lazy. They are flaky. They are wasting their time. They are deluding themselves. They are an embarrassment to their families and yada, yada, yada. So I worked very hard to prove that I can make a living being a creative person and I can get into the pages of this or that important magazine or newspaper or I can get this much attention making noise on such and such whatever platform and the numbers don't lie. I can earn my respect in numbers, in measurable units that society recognizes as having value. The dollars in my pockets, the tick-tock of the clock, however many subscribers I have on Facebook, or whatever the vanity metric of the day is. But what I eventually realized is that self-respect is not about numbers. Not like that, anyway. And for those of you who struggle with your weight or body issues, or even if you're just super health conscious, you might relate to this in the pounds registering on your bathroom scale or the inches on the measuring tape or the calorie count on the cereal box. Sometimes I do wonder if we as a society have gone way, way, way off the rails with these nutrition labels, which don't get me wrong, I love. (laughs) I love a good nutrition label, but also they're a little bit creepy when you start thinking about the way we have broken down the macronutrients and calories and how so many of us use those numbers to try to control our bodies, our health, our size. However, did our ancestors survive without knowing how many grams of protein or carbs or fat was in that cracker? How did they know their worth as people without the BMI index or waist to hip ratio? (laughs) And yeah, I might be exaggerating here, but maybe I'm not. Maybe this is the way it is. Like society presents us with these numbers and begins to condition us from a very early age through marketing, for example. And I'm I'm just using these things as easy examples because I feel like they're things that we all can relate to on one level or another. But I do think that most of us learn about numbers as a measure of our worth from a very early age in many different ways, particularly in school, as every kid with a learning disability or a troubled home life that makes it hard to concentrate 
understands all too well. And we actually did not talk about any of this during this morning's mastermind, or not much of it, but I guess this is just the way my mind carried on our conversation throughout my day. And I think the main takeaway for me was just how mean we can sometimes be to ourselves, especially as creative people. People tend to join this particular mastermind because they identify as a creative person in some way. And many of them are spiritual entrepreneurs or artists of some kind looking to make their living that way. Not even necessarily in dollars, but in terms of quality of life. Maybe I should just make a separate podcast on this topic because the point of today's podcast is it's related to this, but it's actually to have my friend Jennifer David Hesse on the show to talk about her life as an author of Magical Cozy Mysteries. So I will pivot into that in a moment, but I will say if I do a separate podcast about this subject, it will probably be on my new sad dish of a podcast, which is available to the public for free, but not here. It made its quiet, homey debut in a recent newsletter, but I wanted to tell you about it here too, in case you're not subscribed to that. I started a new podcast earlier this month called The Bebo Effect, Beauty In, Beauty Out. And I'm hosting it on Patreon because I wanted a space for talking more personally about spiritual things. And I like that even though I can make a post there for the public, it's a slightly more intimate feeling setup because those podcasts don't get pushed out into the greater podcast community, at least as it stands right now. So to follow along, you pretty much have to either be on my newsletter list or follow me over on Patreon, which by the way, you can do for free. I think you can follow any creator on Patreon for free. Even if you don't become a patron, you can follow them and get notified when they post content for the public, which is nice because then Everyone who wants to feel like a part of a particular community can do that whether or not they can afford to support financially. They can be there in spirit and they can participate. And so I love that. And again, I love that it's a little bit on the down low so you don't get a lot of traffic from strangers who just walk into a conversation that they have no context for. They're just like cruising in from a search bar and sometimes they can be rude to people, not even the the creator, but just other people leaving comments and things like that. So I like that Patreon, you kind of have to go looking for what you want. And I guess I like that you have to go looking for the content like that, like you're purposely seeking it out, hopefully because you enjoy that creator's content. And there's something comforting about that. And I guess this is as good a time as any to give a shout out to new patrons. Rachel Stravelli, Rachel, Lucy Moon, and Liz Rojas. Thank you so much for supporting the show. I hope you are enjoying all the content over there. And then one other thing that I wanted to shout out here before we move on to this fabulous interview with Jennifer is a live event. Another friend of mine, Mariella Janelle, is hosting over 
her on Instagram, I think. I had Mariella on the podcast. I can't remember exactly when. It was in the last year. She came on the podcast to talk about her work as a universalist chaplain and celebrant and to talk about this online community she was starting, the Care Neighborhood. And no, this is not a paid promotion of any kind of, for anyone. <laughs> But not for Mariella. She did not ask me to do this. I just wanted to mention it because I think some of you might want to know that she has this event coming up. It's a plant blessing, as in blessing your ficus or fern or succulent pet friends. And I imagine Mariella being Mariella, that it will be a very sincere and down-to-earth and soothing experience. She did a group animal blessing for those who wanted some good vibes for their pets a while back. And it was so sweet and people enjoyed it so much that now she is going to be doing one for plants in that same spirit. I think it's going to be May 28th. And I'm actually not sure how she's going to do it, but I believe it's going to be on Instagram. And I do know for sure that she is a lovely, deep, witchy woman with beautiful intentions and even that she would have the idea to do a plant blessing in the first place is probably all you need to know to start catching her vibe. So I will link to the Care Neighborhood in the show notes, as well as today's feature guest, who is an environmental attorney, mother, and author of two cozy mystery series, The Wiccan Wheel Mysteries and The Flower House Mysteries, my friend, Jennifer David Hesse. I feel like Jennifer has the most chill ego. When you listen to her tell her story, mainly the story of publishing these two cozy mystery series back to back through traditional publishing, I recommend paying attention to the themes of going with the flow and having fun. And I wanna bring that up before the interview starts to tie it back into what I was saying earlier about being driven. Especially because I caught myself. I caught myself doing here what I just said people do to each other to perpetuate the machine dream that has us all striving to meet these exhausting, unrealistic standards. I literally asked her something to the effect of, how do you do it all? And what's your secret? And... <laughs> In my defense, I will say that I did that based on a hunch that her answer would be exactly what it turned out to be, which ends up highlighting the difference between pushing yourself to achieve and allowing yourself to be pulled forward creatively by the spirit of inspiration or what some might think of as a calling. I am of the opinion that a desire that comes from your soul or a sense of purpose is its own reward. Like doing the thing is satisfying in and of itself, regardless of what results from doing the thing. And it gives rather than takes energy. I think that's a key thing to note. It gives you energy. It gives other people energy rather than taking energy. Even if the, the task at hand is physically or mentally challenging, because you're being fueled by motivations that feel good, motivations like passion or fun 
or curiosity or something else that is energetically sustainable and natural to you. And I think that's maybe how one might become, much like today's guest, an environmental attorney and mother and publisher of two back-to-back cozy mystery series without burning out in the process. And just in case I have not thoroughly taken the piss out of myself by lifting the skirt on my own shadow, I will also add that there is one unintentionally hilarious moment in this interview in which I went completely blank on one of the most ordinary words. (laughs) It always happens on the most ordinary words. As much of a word nerd as I am, sometimes... For no seeming reason, certain words just randomly refuse to come to me right when I need them the most. So in this particular case, reader became book buyer. (laughs) I am not a reader. I am a book buyer. That's it. Capitalism has so thoroughly taken over my brain that readers are now book buyers, purchasers of words. And so, my fellow book buyers, readers, word nerds, and lovers of magical fiction, this interview is for you. Hi, Jennifer. Welcome back to Hippie Witch. Hey, Joanna. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to have you back today because we get to redo are having Jennifer David Hesse on the podcast experience because it didn't go well (laughs) audio-wise the first time. And I will say I have super amazing diehard listeners that they will put up with that. And then they ended up finding your work as a cozy mystery writer and reading one of your books for our book club. And so they all know and love you despite despite our audio (laughs) glitches. Yeah, that was too bad, but you're absolutely right. I did make some new uh, fans, I think. I met some new people through that. So that was very cool. That is awesome. But now you're not Jennifer anymore. So we have to talk (laughs) about that because you have a new pen name and a new series. Yes, that's right. My first series obviously was under my real name. So Jennifer David Hesse is my real name. But the new series is under my pen name, Jess Dillon. And that is because I have a new publisher. So... It's just basically a fresh start. The new publisher asked if I'd be willing to launch under a new name. I think they just, it's basically just a business decision. I think they like to kind of start fresh. So I could pick any name I wanted, but they did ask that I have the last name be in the first half of the alphabet for shelving purposes. That is amazing. Yeah, it's a totally, total business decision. (laughs) (laughs) I love little insider secrets like that. Yeah. And so I picked Jess because it sounds similar to Jen Hesse or Jennifer Hesse. And I've been mistakenly called Jesse before because of that. And so I just thought Jess, you know, I keep my first initial and it sounded similar. And then Dylan is a family name. My dad's mom's maiden name was Dylan, spelled differently, but I picked the the Dylan spelling like like Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so is Jennifer going to be offended if Jess becomes a literary superstar? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Of course not. No, that would be pretty cool. But it is interesting because I have my website, you know, jenniferdavidhesse.com. And 
you know, my, my blog and everything, um, like, you know, social media all under my real name. And so I created a new website for just Dylan, but it is a little confusing. It's like, you know, I link from one to the other, so it's not necessarily a secret. I guess it's sort of an open secret. Open secret. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I guess there's really actually thinking about book buyers when they're thinking about, oh, pick a name early in the alphabet and let's change your names to have a fresh start. It's very centered on that buyer and connecting with them and giving them that experience of finding someone new. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How did you feel about it when that was first suggested? Were you... I wasn't really surprised. I knew that that was somewhat common. So I wasn't terribly surprised. I mean, I guess there was a little bit of mixed feelings in terms of splitting it up, I guess, so that uh, it's like, what happens next? Do, am I going to keep going with this name? Will I ever go back to my original name? And just the whole confuse, confusing part of it. So I had to change my Twitter handle and somehow fit both names. I can't even remember what it is now. It's like Jen, Jess, something. I'm not on Twitter a whole lot. Anyway, I, I know I probably should be more, but you know, it works. It's it's actually a really small problem, so I can't really complain. And it's something to talk about on podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, I think a validation of your talent as a writer that two separate publishing houses would be interested in your work and then one would be interested enough to be like, hey, let's give this a fresh start and both for series, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, both cozy mystery series. So yeah, when I was writing the first the first series, I was a few books in and I was already starting to think about, you know, what would my next series be? I didn't want to just do the one. And so I had an idea that, so the first series, the main character is Wiccan. And, you know, that, that was very fun, uh, you know, to write about real life Wicca and, and magic spells and that sort of thing. But in the second book, you know, I wanted to be a little bit a little bit different. So I came up with the idea for a character who practices just the law of attraction or believes in the law of attraction. And in my mind, I was thinking of it as the LOA mysteries. Like mm-hmm. that was gonna be the the hook or the theme. And so, you know, I mentioned it to my my agent and she was on board. And then when the first publisher decided not to continue the Wiccan Wheel Mysteries. My agent shopped around the new idea with other publishers, and there were not there are not a whole lot of cozy mystery publishers out there anymore. There have been so many mergers, and there's basically a handful. And so, at first, at first, no one was biting for the idea. I mean, she got some good feedback, you know, on my writing, but then she got to this one, the one publisher that I'm with now, St. Martin's Press, and. They didn't really go for the law of attraction idea. Funny enough, they liked the characters and they liked the setting and my writing and everything. But they thought that, you know, LOA Mysteries was maybe a bit too woo-woo for cozy readers. And limiting. I mean, cozy's already a niche. It's like super niche. Yeah, that's true. So I was going to have the series in a bookstore. It was going to be like a new age bookstore. But so the editor that was interested asked, you know, through my agent, if I would be willing to just change it and, you know, keep, keep most of what I'd come up with, but just, uh, and it would be okay for the main character to believe in LOA, but just not have that be 
sort of the main message or main focus of the story. Mm-hmm. And she actually suggested the flower shop just as something that they didn't already have. They didn't already have a series in a flower shop, I guess. And, and so I said, yes, I said, of course. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I have I, to say, I love the setting. I've only read the beginning of the book, but I have this feeling, this is something that I think a lot of people can relate to now because the internet is blasting us with so many books. It's like a book nerd's dream and nightmare all at the same time. (laughs) So you get to be so discerning, but also it kind of creates this paralysis of choice where it can be harder to get into a new book. And I opened your book up and started reading and the sense of like, yes, came over (laughs) me. I felt like this will be the book I will read when I have free time. And I'm just like cozied up. And it was because... You have a knack for immediately making us like characters, even dislikable characters, which is quite (laughs) the talent. And also just the setting. And I was enjoying learning about flower arrangements. I hope you weren't lying to me and that this is actually how you do it. Because I was like, (laughs) warm water in the vase, that's a thing? Yeah, well, I learned that too. I had to do my research because I, like I said, it wasn't necessarily my idea in the first place, but I was totally on board because I love flowers and, you know, I was happy to learn. So it has been a learning process. I just kind of think about, you know, well, what, what it might be like. I've never worked in a flower shop, but, you know, it's not that hard to find the information out there. Maybe that was to your benefit because when you're first learning about something, it's, romantic and fascinating and I think some of that transferred onto the page oh thank you yeah it's so fun and that's why I do this in the first place is because it's fun I can't imagine how you would do it otherwise because you're an attorney you're an environmental attorney right that's right yeah it's my day job so (laughs) multiple hats and you're a mom Explain yes. this to me. What pill, what pills are you taking? What uh, packs did you do with the devil? Something's happening here. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's basically it's a nine to five job. I don't, it's a it's a government job. So I try not to bring work home if I can help it. Well, of course, that's kind of silly to say now because we're always almost always at home. Yeah, I have, I have been working remotely. Um, only recently, I've gone back to work two days a week. So that actually it was helpful not to have the commute. I have to take the train downtown Chicago. It's kind of a long commute, but I, I make good use of my time, I guess I would say, is how I do it. You know, I when I'm on the train, I can write then and on my yeah. lunch hours. <laughs> yep. I, I I use my lunch hours to go to the library or or just sit at my desk, close the door and try to get some writing in. And you're doing this because it's fun. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the important (laughs) part because I I think that can sound punishing. Well, I fit my writing in on the train and then I, (laughs) on my lunch break, I go to the library. But I think this is something that you're doing. I think it's joy that's guiding you. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. It's something I've always liked, of course, always been drawn to writing and just decided, um, well, I mean, it's a few years ago now when I when I came out with my first series, I decided to be serious about it. And so I want to keep doing it as long as I can. Yeah. At some point, would you be quitting the day job or are you very happy with this balance? You know, it's always kind of tough to say because, you know, writing doesn't make a whole lot of money. 
and I have a good job. So I'm actually, I'm not that far away from retirement. I mean, I would say it's still a number of years, but when I look at it, you know, I look at the, I look at the math and I think uh, I should probably stick it out (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. regardless. What an amazing pressure relief that will be to kind of graduate, so to speak, to be able to retire, but then having created these series, put all of this energy into that. And then when you retire, I just can just imagine this amazing feeling of like, (laughs) oh, now I can do whatever I want. (laughs) Right, right. Something to look forward to. Why did you land on Cozy Mysteries? You know, I I would say mystery in the first place is what I've always loved and been drawn to. I never really thought of it as Cozy Mysteries at first. I think Cozy Mystery as a term really became popular in the late 90s to describe these these mysteries that don't have a lot of violence, don't have just they're more on the the lighter side. So, you know, I grew up reading Nancy Drew like so many other people and just have always loved to read mysteries and yeah, so once I started writing, I think that's just kind of what I realized I was writing mm-hmm. without thinking about it intentionally. Like the subgenres of mystery, you've got um, like police procedural, I don't know, there's thrillers and just, I guess, straight up traditional mysteries. And I don't know, the cozy mystery, it's just, it's, they're usually a little quirkier. The settings usually a small town or just someplace really appealing where, you know, the readers like to go back and visit. It really adds to the fun factor for me. Yeah. So you're into mysteries and you're just naturally cozy. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of the rom-com of the literary community in a way because it's centered, it's geared toward women typically, although I'm sure there are many men that love them, but it reminds me of like, I don't, I hesitate to say Hallmark Channel because I love and hate the Hallmark Channel all at the same time, but I feel like they're speaking to that same audience, people who might want to enjoy a little murder mystery, (laughs) but they'd like it to happen in a setting, you know, like the Gilmore Girls. Yeah, in the same way. I don't get the Hallmark Channel, I don't think, but I've seen it before, Mm -hmm. and and they actually have put... um, They've made series, I believe, made out of actual cozy mystery series. There are a handful of them. There's a channel of them. Yeah, because I don't have cable, but that is true. There must be just this, this very specific market for this type of world. And I still feel new to the cozy mystery fandom, but... When you find one that clicks, it's awesome. It's just such a nice little escape. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There there are a lot out there. And I've seen, you know, various articles and, you know, YouTube videos about how, you know, cozy mysteries are still going strong. They've got, you know, younger audiences now. So I don't think they're you know, going to go away anytime soon. No, I would think 2020 maybe saw a little boom because... Isn't that how you want to feel when everything is kind of in chaos and scary all around you? It's like you want to go just into this nice little world. It's odd to call it safe because these are typically murder mysteries. Are they always murder mysteries? Not always, but mostly. Uh, Yeah. 
No, and it's funny you should say that too about these times because my publisher told me that there was a lot of interest in my series, you know, before it came out, you know, just early interest in this series in particular. And I asked the publicist, like, you know, why? I was just curious if she knew why in particular. And she said, well, probably it's because we are still in a pandemic or coming out of a pandemic and just a book set in a flower shop, you know, coming out in the springtime just seems like a breath of fresh air. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I'm just excited for our audience specifically because they're a bunch of witchy people. So you are the author of the Wiccan Wheel Mysteries and then the Flower House Mysteries has that light light magic with the K the the law of attraction is implied yeah exactly so the main character you know is an LOA follower basically she tries to be positive and and does believe in in signs and synchronicities and that sort of thing and she has a granny who is sort of a granny witch although she doesn't call herself that but mm-hmm. you know she practices herbal magic and follows folk folklore and that kind of thing so yeah so there's got to be a little element of witchiness but it's going to be um pretty subtle yeah I think that's just right yeah because it, it's inviting we all I think fantasize maybe about having a grandma like that and if we were lucky enough to have a grandma like that she probably didn't call herself a witch <laughs> exactly I had a great grandma like that my tea party grandma had magic, but Aww. we would never call it magic and definitely never call her a witch, but she was magical to me, otherworldly in a way, and had all these little secret things that she did, you know? Yeah. Yeah, the book takes place in the Appalachian Mountains, and there is a lot of superstition historically in that area in the mountains and so this character still believes in some of the superstitions and and the the main character sierra she's you know she probably got a lot of her her beliefs from her grandmother but she thinks that you know her superstition her beliefs make more sense Mm -hmm. than the superstitions but but it's been really fun actually researching that too yeah. Oh my gosh. I bet that's super interesting. Did you research any of the folk magic up there? A little bit. Yeah. Um, more about sort of the um, herbal herbalism, herbal magic. And yeah, I came across this one. Um, well, I don't want to give anything away in the book, but yeah, there is, there is one thing in particular that the granny says that Sierra should do to uh, make sure that the spirit of the the victim, the deceased person is at rest. And it's not, it's not a, um, a ghost story per se, but the granny thinks that, you know, the reason there's trouble at the flower shop is because maybe the, the spirit's not at rest. So she tells Sierra what to do. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And this, the series, is it based on something like with the Wiccan wheel mysteries, it was based on the wheel of the year. Is there a through line for this or is it the Sierra and the grannies, their story, like what happens in the broader arc of the series? Yeah. So it's really the common thread is is the flower shop, the flower house. The flower shop is in a converted Victorian and 
Of course it of is. Of course, yeah. We would hate your guts if it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. The premise is that so Sierra wanted to be a singer-songwriter, and that didn't work out. She moved back to her hometown, which is a fictional town, Aryville, Tennessee. And she's working part-time at this flower shop where she had worked as a teenager. The owner is this eccentric guy who um, is about ready to retire and and he's got other interests besides the flower shop. Now he's in a geocaching and he basically in the, in the beginning, he takes off. He decides he's going to go on this treasure hunt and he leaves the shop to Sierra. So, you know, she has to make a decision. Does she want to keep it, you know, make this her life now? Cause she thought that it would just be temporary that, you know, she would get back to her dreams. Yeah. So yeah, basically the, it's the flower shop. That's the, the common thread through the books. You know, what's funny is it reminds me so much of the law of attraction when I'm listening to you explain this, the plot, because it kind of works like that. Like you think you're going to use the law of attraction to magic your way into the dream, which could be being a singer songwriter in Nashville. (laughs) And then by whatever, you know, twist of fate, you have to move back to your small hometown. And then you find the dream arrives in a totally different package. Maybe yeah. it is a flower house. Exactly. Yeah, that is exactly what I had in mind. Oh, I love that. I think sometimes we think we're putting out like an order to the universe. Like, here's what I want. I want, you know, pickles on the side and cheese. Mm-hmm. And we think it's going to look a certain way. But what we're really asking for is a feeling or an experience of life that we long to have. And I think sometimes it really can show up in such a radically different way that you never could have imagined it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the real trick, I guess, is to kind of recognize that and Mm -hmm. not get so hung up on what you think it should look like. Yeah. And I was asking you before if Jennifer would be offended if Jess like took off, like what the heck? (laughs) Um, (laughs) I actually feel like you are not a person who has a big ego, like a big diva ego kind of situation going on. You just seem to be such a kind, you know, humble, go about, do the thing, almost under the radar kind of person. So you just are a constant surprise to me because I remember, you know, when your first book series was just, it was just like a conversation, you know, and then before I knew it, it was there. And then, then it was like, oh my gosh, and there's another one. And and it's being published by St. Martin's Press. And it's like, (laughs) what is happening? Are you just a go with the flow person or do you have under the surface bubbling all of this raging ego and world domination that I don't know about? I don't know. That's funny. I think part of it is just that I'm an introvert. And so I do kind of work in the background, like even in my job as, as an attorney, I work with a lot of other attorneys and I am, you know, I work on policy type things and, um, you know, giving advice and, but I'm not, yeah, I prefer not to be out front really. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, it's ironic, though. I mean, I don't follow astrology a whole lot, but I'm a Leo. And so I've never really like resonated with that because, yeah, that's not really me. Well, maybe I need to study it more. And then the the introverted Leo, do you know what your moon is? Oh, I've looked it up before, but that could explain a lot. Yeah, I can't remember. 
I would say a Leo, each Leo shines in their own special way. And you shine with your talent. You, you're t- a talent first person. I make a lot of noise. <laughs> I'm like, here goes a parade. Oh crap, I was supposed to show you something, wasn't I? I was just having so much fun doing the parade. <laughs> yeah, that's your talent. That's your talent. <laughs> yeah, well, I like to use it to shout about awesome people. And you are one of those for sure. Thank you. So how does that work now with the way the publishing industry is? Do you feel any pressure from your publisher to get out there and hustle and and be a public person? Or they're like, hey, good luck to you. (laughs) May the force be with you. And they just send you on your way. Well, so far, um, my new publisher, St. Martin's, has been really great about promotion and getting, you know, finding opportunities for me. And every time they ask me if I want to do something, I always say yes. Mm. So, so far they've asked, do you want to write an article for this website? And I said, yes, I'll do that. So like Crime Reads Magazine or Crime Spree Magazine, but, you know, I always agree. And so coming up, I will be doing, I have two things. One is going to be an interview. I believe that's with Crime Spree Magazine. It's going to be an audio interview, but I think she's going to just write it out as a transcript. But the second thing is the actual video, kind of a live YouTube event with another author. So that... Oh, well, of can, course we, it was, can we find out where that is? How do, or can I link to it? Do you have a link for um, that? Yeah, that'll be on May 27th. I can provide a link. It's through this bookstore called Murder by the, Murder by the Book, I think. There's a bookstore called Murder by the Book. Yeah. That is so, is it just murder mysteries or that's just a cute bookstore name? I think that's their focus. Wow. Uh, But they host all kinds of events. And this is, I think, part of a series where they they get two authors, sometimes more, they'll do a panel, but this will be myself and another author just chatting. And so, I mean, it was my choice. I could have said no, but, you know, I'm going to. I'm going to go for it. It'll be my first time. (laughs) Again, like that feels very just like go with the flow to me, follow the synchronicities and the signs. Yeah, I guess I never really thought about it that way. But again, like maybe you just naturally go that way. Let, Let me be, let me play publicist here for a minute because I feel like getting an interview or writing an article or having a blurb in one of those magazines when you shop at like Joanne's Fabrics. Have you ever <laughs> seen those magazines? They're like $17 and it's just like cottage core crafting flowers, all the things that that person loves. I feel like it would be so cool to oh, wow. pop up in one of those magazines. Does anybody yeah. listening know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Do you work for one of these magazines? Don't you think they should interview Jennifer or Jennifer's oh. book? Give a little blurb. Hey, that's a good idea. I'll have to look for that. Or excuse me, Jess Dillon. Yes, yes that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Maybe Jess Dillon could interview Jennifer or David Hesse. Oh, oh gosh, that'd be interesting. <laughs> that'd be a fun blog post. Yeah, I agreed to do a, a day in the life of my character blog post. It hasn't come out yet either, but that's oh, where that's you... That's fun. Where is that? Yeah, it's going to be on a, a cozy mystery blog called Drew, Drew's Musings. I can link to that. Or yeah, you- yeah. I will link, I will link to that. I will link to the event. And then your book is coming out on the 25th, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm excited for you. Thank you. 
I have to ask, what is it like creating a fictional town? It's freeing and challenging at the same time. I Because, you know, the Appalachian Mountains in Tennessee, those are real, obviously. So as I was writing and creating it uh, in the very beginning, I would, you know, mention like a river and a lake and a mountain and just mention things like that. And so my family, my parents read early drafts for me. And they got a, a map of Tennessee and they were like, okay, so if you can see the mountain and the town is about this size, you know, this is what it is. <laughs> and so they found a town and I don't want to say what it is because, you know, my town is fictional, but it was, it's really good to have that particular town as a reference because then when I have to think about, okay, what time does the sunrise and the sunset, mm. how many police officers would this town have on their force and little things like that, I can look it up to try to yeah. make it as true to life as possible. Yeah, and so people who live in that area can recognize themselves too, I think. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Who is Aries Shitty Hesse? Oh, Aries, that is our little corgi. But in the book, there's a corgi named Gus. And, you know, my fam- my uh, husband and daughter and I have a little corgi named Aries. Oh, I'm so jealous. Tanner, my son and I, we talk about dogs. Corgi has been his number one for a long time. I'm rooting for a bull terrier, but corgis I'm, are adorable too. They are so much fun. So So cute. I saw that on your blog. I loved that blog post, by the way, too. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Like, I love that you're using your creativity to, I mean, I guess you're marketing your book, but it doesn't feel like that. And that's so clever. It just feels delightful. Like, oh, we're learning about this world. And look, there's a corgi. Yeah, thanks. I wish I had more time. I really to blog and, and be on social media. I always intend to, yeah, I got to do that more. I do think what you are doing is great. And then you did a tarot series. Yeah. A while back, that was fun. It was like a personal journey thing. Yeah. It's, it's funny with blogs and um, it's hard to find the, the time, but then also to kind of think about what to write. Cause you know, I want to promote my books and, but I don't know when people go to authors blogs, I think they like to, get a glimpse into their real life and oh but I also want to be Heck helpful yeah, we do <laughs> yeah there's always those fans I think that take it too far you know like they it will never be enough for those people <laughs> but I do think it's just natural to want to we want to learn all about the author we want to know what your favorite tea is and what you wore last Sunday there's something <laughs> particularly I think if the author's life is in alignment or feels like a it's being reflected somehow in the world that we love so much. We hope it will be in some way, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. Even I think with J.K. Rowling, there was something fascinating about her that she wasn't magic, but back in the day when she would do those interviews, I felt like there was an intrigue there that was just like a natural, of course she's the lady that wrote Harry Potter, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's almost, it seemed magical that her, yeah, yeah, world, how, yeah. how it happened for her. Yeah. Do you have any fantasies about anything like that? Or are you just like, no, I just love to write in it. I, I'm, I'm feeling like I want to answer this for you, but I'm just going to listen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're probably thinking what I'm, what I'm thinking is that, you know, I'm just doing this for fun and I don't have any illusions of, you know, that 
that it would turn into something huge, partly because we're, we're talking about cozy mysteries. And it would be cool, of course, to get a, a movie series or a TV series, like on the Hallmark Channel or, or wherever else. Of course, that would be awesome. But I'm not, you know, necessarily doing it for that reason. You're not driven that way. Right. So here you are at St. Martin's Press working on your second series in your spare time as an environmental attorney and mother. This is the secret of life, everyone. (laughs) I really do. I genuinely, as a person who has tons of ambition and drive, the less I have, the less I allow that part of myself to take over, the more free I am, the more inclined I am to do the work and to enjoy what I'm doing is the most important part. And I think you just naturally do that. Well, I try. I mean, it can get... You know, it get, get overwhelming. Of course, life gets overwhelming sometimes. But the series, um, it's a three-book series to start. And then, you know, we'll see. Hopefully, it'll go. There'll be more. But the whole the publishing calendar is so weird that the first book is coming out soon. The second book, I be- it may already be available for pre-order, which I'm not, not promoting it because it's not even edited yet. I don't even have comments back from my editor. So it's turned in, but not finalized but the third book is already due like I'm, I'm working on book three wow and yeah I'm gonna have to get an extension I think well I actually I did get an extension but since my editor hasn't given me her notes for book two yet I think it'll be okay if I have a little more time on book three what so. does that feel like compared to before you had a book deal when you could just take your sweet time and do whatever? <laughs> like, how did that change your process and also your experience of it? It definitely requires more discipline, just almost a good thing, really, because with the first series and the very first book, the, the Wick and Wheel Mysteries, I, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I was just, or where it was going to go. I just kind of started it thinking, yes, I'm going to actually, you know, write a book and try to get it published, but I didn't have any deadlines. So it took forever. It took a couple of years. But then once I got the the book deal, you know, I realized, okay, there are deadlines now. And, and you know, it seems like you have all the time in the world at first, but then they creep up on you. It does change. It does require um, a little more discipline. One of my favorite ways to lie to myself, and I've been lying to myself like this for decades, is to be like, I can do that 60-minute thing in five minutes, and I'll <laughs> use the last five minutes of those 60 minutes to do it. <laughs> this applies to getting to places on time and getting things done on time. It's hilarious that I still actually have to make the effort to not be that person. Yeah, I, I, I'm the same way. Mm. I don't know. Maybe it's human nature or maybe, I don't know. I was rewarded for it as a kid because I could not study and then like cram five minutes before a test and get an A. Uh, yeah, so I think I, it's a bad habit I developed because I didn't want to do my homework. I would just stand <laughs> outside the class at the last minute going, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it yeah. works. It, it works and it doesn't. So there you go. There you go. Oh, yeah. I mean, I cannot tell you how absolutely proud I am to know you. And I really encourage everybody to pick up this book if you like what we're saying, because I promise you, it feels the way that we're describing it. 
Thank you. Can we wrap it up here with first telling people the URL to your website and then we have to ask the magic question at the end. Sure. So I guess, you know, I'll stick with my pen name, which is Jess Dillon. And it's Dylan spelled D-Y-L-A-N. So Mm -hmm. JessDylan.com. And from there, there are links to my social media and my my other website, JenniferDavidHesse.com. Nice. Yeah. Does Jess Dylan lead to the blog? Yes. Okay. That's where that goes. Nice. Okay. So, so the famous last question, what is one tip you have for creating the kick-ass life of your dreams? Yeah, I was thinking about this and it's funny because it kind of goes along with what we were talking about. I was thinking that, you know, life is short and I think that we should forgive ourselves um, and not like be too hard on ourselves if we're not, you know, like where we think we should be, Mm. you know, haven't gotten, you know, accomplished everything we think we should accomplish, you know, try not to have regrets. So I guess that's kind of a go with the flow attitude in a way. It's more about acceptance though. You know, life is not perfect and things aren't always going to go the way you want them to go, but I think it makes for a happier life if you can just just kind of forgive yourself for not being what you think or thought you should be. Oh my gosh, yes. That's a letting go of you have to let go of that to be who you are for real and have the life that is waiting for you. Yeah, I've got a great life and don't, it's hard to say I don't have regrets. I think everyone has some regrets. It's like, you know, maybe I would have done some things differently in the past, but I don't want to focus on that. You know, it's, it's more about focusing on the present and being grateful for what you do have. Oh yeah. I mean, I think the regrets are there as deep personal markers of never do that again, you know, or let's see life through this new lens. But I think the forgiveness allows you to not carry it forward with you as a heavy burden. And when I hear you talking about not being upset about, you know, whatever not having happened, you know, on your time frame, I'm thinking about the Wiccan Wheel Mysteries and be in the season that you're in. Don't miss this season because you're pissed off that that season isn't here yet, you know? Oh, for sure. I hope you get to finish the Wiccan Wheel Mysteries. Maybe Jess Dillon will help that out a little bit and you can circle back around on that and it'll be fun. Yeah, thank you. We will see. Well, good luck with the Flower House Mysteries and thank you so much for coming back here to tell us all about it. Thanks, Joanna. I have the coolest job. How cool is it that I get to meet people like Jennifer and bring people like Jennifer onto the podcast? So much fun. Go check out her new book, Death in Bloom. It is the first book in the Flower House Mysteries. And I should tell you all, because I know so many of you will be very excited about this, that the next episode is going to feature an interview with the dazzling Thorn Mooney, I had so much fun recording this interview and I cannot wait to share it with you. That will be coming up here very soon. And if you want to join us over on Patreon, please do. I would love it. I always appreciate a nice review on iTunes or sharing these episodes on social media. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this today. I hope you loved it. And until we meet again, much love to you. Peace.